0: Today we're talking to Alex, and Alex is a software developer working on Clojure uh, core team. Uh, He's also the co-author of Clojure Applied and Programming Clojure, and he's also a founder of Strange Loop. Um, So Alex, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk today about Tools depths and depths Eden and how all of this fits into the sort of build tools or uh, into Clojure ecosystem. Sure. So... uh, what kind of problems uh, does ToolSteps try to solve?
1: Yeah, so, you know, on the core team, we typically try to start from problems. And so there were really three sort of interrelated things that um, that we were looking at when we created um, CLJ and ToolSteps. Um, mm-hmm. First was versioning-related issues. Second was sort of artifact focus in the community. And the third was really the getting started experience.
0: So what is CLJ? Let's start there, maybe.
1: Sure. So CLJ is a tool that you that well, we provide installers for, and those installers um, put um, these tools on your on your system, uh, and then they allow you to uh, really the, the scope of of what we think they do is they allow you to transitively resolve your dependencies, uh, build a class path, and run programs. Um, so, they are intentionally a little narrower in scope than things like Linegan or Boot, which are more general purpose build tools uh, and presume mm-hmm. other things.
0: Right. So, I think this also helps with the getting started of closures, since you can install this via Brew, I believe, and some others on other systems. I think it works similar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so,. You mentioned two other things, which is the versioning and artifact focus. Could we dive into the versioning and talk about the problems there?
1: Sure. Uh, Rich did a whole talk about this, but um, the, big, uh, the big idea is that um, a lot of the industry right now is focused on uh, semantic versioning as the sort of way to talk about changes in software. And Mm -hmm. semantic version really says that you have these three parts to your version string, the major, minor, and patch, and that the patch should just fix things, and that the minor should be uh, non-breaking updates, and then that the major may include breaking changes that you need to somehow validate. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the point that Rich made in his talk is that um, the minor and patch changes are things that presumably you should be able to update without being broken. Um, whereas the major one is really just saying that you're, well, I don't know, you might be broken by these changes. And, um, so he thinks it's more useful to step back and really talk about change, um, kinds of change. So, uh, there's, uh, kinds of change that are growth and that don't break things. Things like, um, adding new functions, adding new namespaces, um, being more relaxed in what you require to call a function, Um, fixing bugs, all of those things are growth. Uh, Mm -hmm. Things that are breakage are uh, basically uh, changing your function to require more things, either more arguments or more keys in a map or something like that, or Mm -hmm. having your return values provide less. Um, So before it was returning, you know, name and, Address and now it only returns name. That's mm-hmm. potentially a breaking change, um, or changing the names of things. Um, the The key insight is that um, all of those things that are breakage, that are um, either making things more strict in what you require, or providing less in return, or changing names, all of those kind, or or removing things from a namespace, for example, um, all of those things can be turned from breakage into growth by giving them new names. So if you're making a change that's actually breakage, um, you can uh, instead give that thing a new name. You keep the old thing with the old name, and that means that people continue to, that their existing code continues to work, and they choose when to move to the things with new names that have new functionality. And so that makes the ability to sort of update versions um, safe at every level. And at that point, you really want the version that you want is the newest version because there you should be making, in general, only changes that are growth-related changes, not breakage-related changes. Mm-hmm. And so that's a difference in how we make, make software that actually starts to address some of the fundamental problems with the version selection part of dependency selection.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and I believe this would be applicable to any kind of uh, build tool, if you will, that we have. Right. So. Yep. It does yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so um, one of the places where tools' depth differs from and CLJ differ from other build tools, um, mm-hmm. tools like Linegan or Boot are all fundamentally based on using the Maven dependency selection algorithm. Um, so, both of those use um, the Pomegranate library, which was created by Chaz Emmerich. And that was a really uh, incredibly useful thing that he created that really made a lot of other things possible because it opened up the Maven ecosystem uh, and made it easy for us to um, include Java artifacts in closure dependency trees. And um, so. Uh, that was a huge and important cha- thing that was done, you know, early in the closure lifecycle that really enabled um, Linegan and all the other build tools to uh, to flourish and be uh, be useful. Um, mm-hmm. The downside of it is that we bought into all the choices that were made by Maven. Um, mm-hmm. So Tools deps to some degree is saying, you know, it's awesome we have access to this ecosystem. Can we step back one more step and say? Um, Maybe we should make some different choices than Java and Maven made because we have different constraints in the closure world. And one of those is to, the way the Maven version algorithm works is to, basically it's, it will take the first version of a library that it encounters. So if it's sort of at the top of the dependency tree, it's going to take the version that it finds first. And if it's looking through children, it's going to take the version that it encounters first. But that's not, it's often not the newest version. So, um, you uh, often will get a dependency tree that is um, that is, includes older versions of libraries, and the tool steps, um dependency algorithm um, prefers to take the newer version and tries to do that in a way that creates compatible subtrees. Um, And We can get way down in the weeds in that. (laughs) I don't really want to get into the weeds on that. But in general, the the focus of it is to prefer the newer version instead of just the version it finds first. It does always use the version that's declared at the top level of your dependency tree so that you can always make a choice at the top and have that be respected. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is one sort of exception to that. So that's one big area where ToolSteps differs from what you get out of other tools it's um it actually you know in general most people uh, are completely unaware that the dependency algorithms are different and they don't get substantially different dependency trees and it it doesn't matter to people (laughs) so but that's a difference in choices that we're making um in there Uh, and then the other big area that's different is um the artifact focus and so um, one of the things that we bought into when we bought into sort of Maven is everything in Maven is based on the Java ecosystem and Java is not a source based language. It's a, it's a class based language. So it relies on you compiling your Java source files into Java class files. And then um, uh, Maven really defined a way to this sort of, or made popular popular this notion of, um, jarring them up in these particular units mm-hmm. and then having a way to address those units with group ID, artifact ID, and version. And I think that was a really important, I'm like having lived through the transition of pre-Maven and post-Maven in the Java ecosystem, it was uh, crucial to allowing Java developers to sort of manage how they uh, built libraries, consumed libraries, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it really arose out of this artifact focus of, um, uh, of Java and the notion of compiled source, and a really important thing to to recognize is that Closure is different. So Closure does not need compiled source, and in general, it's better if you're distributing libraries as um, Closure source files, and that's sufficient. Like you can just load those source files directly. Um, that means that if you happen to have some you know code in a Git li- in a GitHub library somewhere, um, mm-hmm. there's no reason you should be forced to put all those source files in a jar, deploy it to Maven, and then ask somebody else to use Maven to download that jar file and open that jar file to find the source file to use it, right? Mm -hmm. We should be able to just go grab the source file directly from Git. And so tools Steps steps back and says, yes, we can get get, um, libraries as jar artifacts, but also we can get them by pointing at a GitHub SHA a shot, a Git re- repo in GitHub or where any Git repo. Um, or we can point at a project on disk, or we can point directly at a local JAR file somewhere. Um, or we can do something else, like we could point at NPM, or we could point at another kind of repository. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes that all of that um,
0: more generic. Mm-hmm. So this would be this would be you mentioned Maven, Git, local directories, then local jar files, and you also mentioned NPM. Um, is there any other depths that you could include there?
1: So NPM is not supported now, but it's an example of something that has artifacts and dependencies encoded in it, right? So does, so do gem libs, right? So Ruby gems are right. another. There's lots of things like it wouldn't be useful right now to download those and put them on your class path, but um, but if it was, you could you could do that, um, and I I could see other. I mean, we have Git support right now. Nobody really has asked for much beyond Git. But if you wanted to write yeah. Mercurial or you know some other source control mm-hmm. um, system, it would not be difficult to do that. It's just a way of as long as you have a way to go um, find a repository and download it to your those files to you, that's sufficient.
0: So, how would you go about using the tool steps like? What's the procedure, if you will?
1: So if you're uh, just starting out a new project, you probably um, uh, you don't actually need anything to, to use it. You could be in an empty directory, and just type CLJ, and you would be running a Clojure REPL. Um, and it would basically use the s- system level dependencies, which the only thing it will depend on is generally the newest version of Clojure. So you get the newest version of Clojure for free. Um, or the newest version as of the time when you installed the tool, um, and then it's up to you how you want to change things after that. So, um, in your local directory, you'll have a uh, it, you can create a depths.edon file, which is just a, a closure Eden file. So it's a map that has in it some keys, and the main top level keys are things like paths that says what paths in this local project should be included in the class path. Um, Mm -hmm. The source directory is sort of the default one, but you can add additional ones if you want. Uh, And then a set of top-level dependencies. And a dependency is made of um, a library name and some sort of uh, coordinate that tells you where to find that dependency. And that, if it's Maven, that it will include the Maven version, might include some other things like um, transitive dependencies to exclude or some things like that. If it's Git, it's going to... include the URL and full SHA to tell you which, uh, where to look in that Git repository. If it's a local directory, it might be a path or local jar, it might be a path. Um, So it's generally just enough information to tell you uh, where to find that dependency.
0: And then I guess there's another one, which is the, so the keyword aliases, right? Would be also Mm -hmm. there?
1: Yeah, so we have, there's a bunch of different ways that you might wanna, so um, tools steps is primarily a library that allows you to build class paths. And so um, the default is to sort of, with CLJ, is to build uh, a class path that includes your project dependencies. But there are a lot of ways that you might want to modify that set of dependencies to accomplish different goals. So um, you might want to, um, maybe for a particular use, like say I'm going to run at the REPL. And when I run at the REPL, I want to include some extra dependencies. So I might create an alias called REPL, um, and then add in some extra dependencies. So, uh, like for example, in Spec, Spec has a dynamic dependency on test check. So if you uh, the first time you try to do something related to uh, generating data, uh, it will try to load test check. But if you never try to do anything with the, with generating data, it will never try to load that. But mm-hmm. maybe. When you're running at the REPL, I always want to include test check because I'm going to be testing stuff and doing things like that. So you might create a a REPL alias and put in it as an extra dependency um, a particular version of test check. Um, You might want to create an alias that says, I want to test with um, an older version of Clojure or a newer version of Clojure. So you might want to Include a dependency that is in the normal dependency set, but override the version that's being specified for it. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might want to include extra paths. So you include a test directory and some test libraries, and then I'm going to run you know, tests using that alias. Uh, and you can select more than one alias when you run CLJ to uh, either start a REPL or run a program.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So you mentioned the word classpath. Uh- and I believe, uh, could you explain what a class path is for a non Java user?
1: Sure. So in Java, um, they have, since the beginning, there's been this notion of a class path. And the class path is a series of basically um, roots. Um, and when Java needs to load a class, it's going to look in each root, um, starting from the beginning of the class path to the end of the class path. So if your class path contains the local directory source and a a JAR file, then it's going to first look in source, and it's going to take the full package name in Java of a class, um, and it's going to turn that into a path and look in each root to try to find that thing in a path. So if it's looking for a, a Java util map class, it's going to look in your source directory under the Java util map path and try to load that class. And if it's not there, it goes on to the next source um, and tries to find it in a jar file, which might be you know, the Java standard library, and then it would find it there. Um, so that's kind of the, the basics of how it works. With Clojure, it's a little bit more complicated because we have this source-centric focus. Um, it's going to first try to find a compiled AOT Closure class, um, so that's a particular name, and if it doesn't find that, then it's going to try to find a closure source file, and if it does, it's going to load it and compile it and, and load that class into the closure runtime. Uh, but it's really the same process. It's looking for a path-related thing in each root, and a lot of the problems with uh, what's known as dependency hell is in Java or even in Closure is if you end up with a class path where um, you have a set of dependencies where they the same dependency is on the class path more than once. Um, or you have multiple dependencies that include the same class. Then um, the ordering of that class path matters then because it matters which order you find it in first. Uh, and the other sort of implicit thing in that is that you're never going to find it in more than one place. So you can't load two different versions of the same library and um, in the same runtime uh, by default Uh, there are ways to do that through custom class loaders and things like that Um, but in general you're not going to you're not going to have that so um, so we need to build a java class path um, a jvm class path and that means we need to find a set of roots and that set of roots is going to include our local project paths it's going to include um a path to every jar file that's one of our dependencies or transitive Mm -hmm. dependencies Um, so that's what Toolsteps does it takes starts from your initial set it uses the dependency version algorithm to track down all the transitive dependencies select which version of each library which might show up at multiple points in the dependency graph it's got to select one and it will include just one in the class path
0: Can we unpack also the word transitive dependencies or two words?
1: Sure. Uh, So I I just mean that um, when you include a dependency, it also depends on other things. So transitive dependencies just means I depend on A, it depends on B and C, B depends on D and E, and I need to include A, B, C, D, and E in my class path Mm -hmm. to be able to load things.
0: So, so sometimes on Twitter, I can see, uh, I don't know, I think it was Mike Fikes that posted like, well, this is how you can run a Rebel. And then he included this like, very long string that included all of those different things uh, there on the path. Uh, how would we go about managing something like that?
1: Yeah, so um, one of the things that uh, CLJ enables is the ability to um, uh, create things, to, to add things sort of dynamically into your, um, into your project definition. Uh, and you could do that. Um, so really, the the depth Eden. There's not just the one in your project. There's actually multiple that we're combining together to get um, to get sort of the effective depth Eden. That's actually going to be used when you're building the class path and running a program. And so there is a sort of install level depth Eden that's included inside CLJ, um, and that usually embeds like the default name of the default version of Clojure that's being used or should be used, and a mm-hmm. couple of mm-hmm. useful aliases. Uh, and then also, the, like um, so the main um, Maven repositories that everybody expects to be able to use, like Maven Central and Clojars are the, the two main ones that are included. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a um, user level uh, Depths Eden that you can create. Uh, you can go find that at uh, your closure slash deps um, file. Um, in general, that will be empty by default, and but you can add things in there, and they they will be included in any project that you um, that you use. So um, usually, it's not useful to add dependencies in there because you're not going to want to include the same dependencies in every project. Um, But you can create aliases in there, like if I always use a particular test runner, I could create an alias that knows how to run the test runner. Um, And then we have a project-level depths Eden, which is typically for this project, I'm including these depths. It might be some project-level aliases and things like that. And then also on the command line, you can pass dash s depths and actually pass inline data. So Eden, an Eden depths Eden file. Um, and that will also be included and merged into this chain of depths Eden files. So that allows you to run a command line that says, oh, in addition to your project configuration, add this additional dependencies or alias and run some program. Um, and so you can basically specify a full tool installation and execution just right on the command line. Without and try it out without ever putting it or affecting your project definition. Uh, if you like what that does, you can go take that depsy and actually merge that directly into your project or your even your uh, dot closure Eden, um so that you have the ability to run that from other places.
0: Uh, so you mentioned that it was dash s. Are there any other maybe important ones that to to mention?
1: Uh, there are a lot of other options there. Um, so um, and some of them are um, are really things that are coming from the program runner, which we're going to. So CLJ is going to basically run closure.main, which is the Closure runner that's been included in Closure from the beginning. And so it takes on all of those arguments, but it also has some extra helpful arguments. Um, a lot of times people use dash um, s path or dash s tree to Mm -hmm. um, sort of debug their class path or their dependency tree that sort of prints it all out in a tree like fashion. Um, and then there are some thing, there are some specialized things to sort of override the class path or ignore parts of those config files. Um, there's, um, another thing we're sort of helpfully doing when you run with different aliases is to, um, cache the class path that we compute. Um, so if you specify, depending on what your arguments are, we're going to cache the class path that was computed based on the current, all the Depth Eden files that are in play and the aliases that you chose. That's a sufficient set of things that we can figure out what the class path is. And the first time we do a particular set of those, we will cache that class path. And that means that the next time we run it, we don't have to go do all that work again. We already figured out the whole definitive transitive dependencies and did all that work, and we remembered it. So um, that means that if you're doing the same or similar commands over and over again, um, generally, you're only doing that class path computation once. Um, so it can be relatively fast to start. You just start running the program. You don't need to go compute anything.
0: Yeah, I just I just run CLJ dash dash help. And I can see all of the options. So it's not really overwhelming. I think all of them are really described and there's not too many uh, to get familiar with. So I guess uh, people can go and check it out. So where would you like to take the tools.deps next? What's the evolution path here?
1: Uh, well, uh, obviously it's right now called toolsdeps alpha. And we did that because we weren't sure how the API was going to change over time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at a point right now where I think it's pretty good. And... If I could uh, huddle with Rich for a few minutes and, and decide that it's OK, I think I would probably uh, remove the alpha from the namespace and make it a thing that we're going to commit to. And if, after that point, we would, uh, as I mentioned at the top, uh, avoid making breaking changes. So if we added new things, it would be purely additive. Um, so that's one big thing. Um, there are a bunch of different. So we we talked about access to Git repos. Um, there are definitely some failure modes right now around um, very specific things with like uh, SSH access to get to private Git repos. Um, mm-hmm. You can, while most GitHub type stuff works, GitLab can sometimes be a little bit troublesome. Um, and uh, also, we don't have access to um, user path, user and password authenticated access to HTTPS. Uh, Git repositories and sometimes that's important for people. Um, so there are a bunch of little knotty issues, and a lot of those are really based around the fact that we ultimately are using uh, the J an older version of the JGit library right now instead of um, newer versions that have some um, have some new support for that, or uh, just calling out to the Git like porcelain APIs to to talk to things, and we have some rough. Implementations on both of those, and um, it's one of those things that just needs some some clear time to really focus on and decide what to do. Um, but I think that we definitely will be making some changes there to try to just to make it um, more accessible for more kinds of projects and for more people. Um, so there are a lot of different environments. So it's one of those things that's just tough to support everyone and all the different variations of credentials and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, another place where I think uh, we definitely need some more work is in how we support different kinds of uh, repos- or sort of project setups, like uh, a lot of people who use monorepos or who have like a set of shared projects that they're managing together have a hard time managing dependencies and things across a bunch of projects. Um, so there are definitely some things we could do to um, make it more flexible how you specify the set of depths Eden files or, um, that you want to use, whether you want to call them something different or you know include a higher level um, sort of shared depths Eden file that's not one of the ones we already have defined. Uh, and I would like to do some more work around that kind of stuff and um, make that more flexible than what's there now. And I think that would be able to satisfy a bunch of more complicated use cases. And in general, I think people have built a big range of tools and there's a wiki page out there where we track all these different tools that people have built for that are based on tools depths. And they're all just little programs, uh, but they do things like you know test runners or um, patching, packaging up into jars or Uber jars or deploying to Maven or you know whatever there's all these different little tools um and because clj is just a program runner those all work great but um it does take some effort to sort of maintain all that stuff and um i think with some sort of stepping back and thinking about that problem from the beginning um i think there's some things we could do to um, make that a little a little easier for people um so that's something that we're interested in looking at too
0: Uh, would there be anything else we should discuss when it comes to tools.taps?
1: I think that was a pretty good overview. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I I think uh, I feel enriched by the information. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, so thank you so much for taking the time and being here and explaining everything about tools.taps. No problem. Happy to help. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or any other platform you're listening to. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it, discuss it on your own podcast, and you can support it directly by buying my video courses and learning closure script and closure at my website, jacekshe.com. That's J-A-C-E-K-S-C-H-A-E.com. Thank you for your support of this show.